For nearly 10 years, I have been coaching men all around the world on how to improve their internal state and their love lives. And during my time as being a professional seducer and seduction coach, I've certainly learned a hell of a lot about women, about how to escalate, about how to seduce, about different girls from all around the world. But in reality, I've learned a lot more about men than I have about women because I'm in a pretty unique situation where guys from every walk of life, every age group, every race, every country, tell me their deepest and darkest secrets, fears, and dreams. Because in order for me to be a good coach, they have to reveal everything to me. And so I get to see what's really below the surface, below the ego, below the pride, below the front and the masks that people put up in order to operate in the world. And over all of that time, the thing that has consistently over and over again been number one thing that guys are concerned about, the problem that they have, is the anxiety around approaching women. Even after decade or more of there being a huge amount of information that's available on the internet or through various schools and coaches, it's still, still over and over again, the thing that guys come to us for, primarily, initially, is to be able to deal with this approach anxiety. So today what I want to do is dig deep into this topic and really start to dissect what it means and look at ways and strategies that you are going to be able to move into a much more uh, free and open space with your interactions with women. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Now, the first thing it's important to do is define our terms. There is a big difference between anxiety and fear. Fear is a natural biological response to deadly situations. So it is a visceral physical reaction to a real or perceived threat that is happening basically now or in the not too distant future where we perceive something to be life-threatening or at the very least threatening to let's say our marriage or, or our position in society something that has a very real effect and the interesting thing is that naturally children are only wired to be afraid of loud noises and snakes so our brains are like hardwired to be definitely afraid of those things because Typically, they indicate something that is possibly going to cause us a life-threatening situation. Everything else we have to get conditioned to become afraid of. And interestingly enough, we can get conditioned to be unafraid of things that are actually very dangerous. Because I say this to students often, what is it the one thing, if you're living in a major metropolis and one that is not full of gun violence or, you know, it's not being bombed, what is the one thing that is actually dangerous to you? And the answer to that is traffic. Cars are, are the only thing that, that is really dangerous in a city like this. I can be, and the, people will stand this far away from imminent death over and over again. They stand at the edge of, of a road as cars whiz by. Each one of them could easily at any moment swerve and kill you, and yet you feel nothing. Your body does not respond at all in a way that probably it should. So the responses to fear have to be conditioned in, and then if we are overloaded with stimulus about something that is potentially dangerous, eventually we just start stop stop seeing it, which can which is the reason why the main thing that's going to likely to call, kill you in a city is walking out into traffic or having a car hit you. Now, on the other hand, what is anxiety? 
anxiety is more of a psychological glitch, which is based around your perception of threats that may happen in the future. And often they are not to do with physical harm, although they certainly can be, but they're more to do with psychological harm. Perceiving that something in the future is going to cause you to feel awful about yourself, based usually around the judgment or assessment of other people. And in this talk today, I'm talking very specifically about social anxiety and the dreaded approach anxiety. Approach anxiety is something that was invented by the seduction community, essentially in order to justify certain types of limitations that people place on themselves and later to sell products to people. And when the original seduction material came out, early 2000s, based around the mystery method, there was this concept that approach anxiety was something that was hardwired into us. It was a biological response uh, that every man was always going to have it, like just like that fear of snakes and fear of loud noises, that you have a fear embedded in you of attractive women or women that you perceive to be high value. Because the theory was that back in the caveman days, which is a very simplistic way to look at pre-agricultural societies, Back in the caveman days, that when we lived in small social units, of tribal units of maybe a hundred people or less, that if you approached a girl in her hut and said, hey baby, I like you and uh, you want to breed, and she said, no way, I think you're a loser, a caveman loser, then everyone in the tribe would know that you were a loser and then all women would decide, I'm never going to breed with that guy, and then your genes would be deleted from the gene pool and therefore, it was an existential fear. It was a fear that if you get rejected, the timeline of your genes ends. That's a theory. And it's based on zero research, based on zero science, pure speculation. And to me, it sounds ridiculous because in the caveman days, people weren't cold approaching. They, they all knew each other because they were in a small tribal unit. Like many traditional societies, marriages were often arranged by the parents. They were just, you were allocated partners. And so the, the whole idea of running up to a stranger and trying to start an interaction, that didn't exist. And that's, that's something that's a result of larger scale societies and modern, modern history. So I think that idea is completely false. I, I think it's just, it's just a theory. And unfortunately, a lot of guys have believed that. And therefore, they've embedded in their mind as a belief that says, this thing is real, always ever present. And it has deep, deep biological roots that I can't fight, I can't work around. And therefore, every time I want to go and approach a girl, I'm coming out up against my body, against my genetics, against my entire physical form. I'm fighting against nature. Even if there was truth in, in some level of truth in a biological aspect of this, it's a really bad mindset to carry around. It does not assist you. And in my opinion is, there's no proof of it. So why are guys just taking that on face value? So let's have a look at this concept of approach anxiety. I think much more important than trying to come to some absolute conclusion on what this thing is, whether approach anxiety is a biological response or whether it's some figment of the imagination, the thing to deal with is the fact that something exists. So that almost universally, when I take a new guy out in field to go and approach girls, he feels weird. Right? Something happens inside his body which reacts with his psychology and his emotions and he has some kind of lockdown or fear kind of or anxiety response to the prospect of going and talking to a woman. Almost every guy I teach experiences this. And I think there are two main ways to look at this. One is to look at what is the inherent anxieties, what is it that most men are concerned about, and to re recognize that most of those things are basically either not useful or completely untrue. 
right, in terms of the things that you're afraid of are things that are not actually real because most guys don't approach girls because they're afraid of things such as being shouted at, having the cops called, being told to fuck off, uh, having women awfully humiliate them, having women be incredibly nasty to them. All of these kinds of very extreme reactions, the most extreme things that could possibly happen. And I have been watching and listening in on a microphone to thousands and thousands of approaches of guys who have zero experience through, through a workshop to having some competency and seeing the reactions and the responses that women have. I know what women are going to do. And I know that if in a spread of a hundred approaches, that possibly one or two girls will be really nasty about it. And I know that when that happens, if a girl says fuck off, it's her problem. She's the one that has the issue. And it might be a legitimate issue. It might be just she's having a really shit day or she, you know, like she's having some personal issue in her life and the last thing she wants to do is talk to a guy. Or it might just be that she's a nasty, nasty person. But uh, that is, that's the statistics. I see that. One in a hundred, two in a hundred maybe will be really nasty. On the other end, maybe five in a hundred, ten in a hundred will be really nice and open to almost any guy that comes up in a fairly respectful and calibrated way he'll get a very, very open and awesome response. And then the rest of them, the vast majority of them, will be somewhere in the range of polite blow-off through to general disinterest, through to just giving the guy a shot and standing there and listening to, oh, yeah, I'm kind of curious and I'll see what's happening. Right? That's the reality of what's going to happen. And unless you've gone out and approached many hundreds of girls yourself, that won't be a reality for you. That's why men create all these very shitty movies in their heads about what is going to happen if they go and approach a girl. And they start to build the most negative one possible, the most negative scenario, and implant that in their mind as if that was the thing that is always going to happen or the most likely thing that's going to happen. I know the truth. I've seen it thousands of times with my students, every type of student possible, and I've done it myself countless times. And I know that the vast majority of people are going to be generally okay about being talked to. Of course, there are big differences in cultures. Some places are more open, some places are much more closed. But in general, you are not going to get told to fuck off and nobody's going to call the cops on you for coming to talk to a girl. So aside from this concern that maybe something really awful is going to happen, which is very unlikely, and once you start approaching, you recognize that awful things don't really happen when you approach in terms of like actual, physical, real-world consequences. What's below that then? Because what is the thing that really stops men from taking action? I feel it's these two existential anxieties of men, which is one, to be ignored, to be not, to be invisible, and even deeper and more terrifying is to be seen, to be revealed. That is the thing that men primarily are mostly anxious about, is when they go up and speak to a woman, okay, so people around them might see things and they, you know, they might get embarrassed by the social situation, the judgments of passers-by, yeah, that, that can be something that will make people feel weird about it. And of course, for most guys, it appears to be much more difficult to approach a girl, say, in a crowded subway train than in an open park because they're dealing with multiple rejections, not just the rejection of the girl, but the rejection of the whole train carriage. But aside from that, what is most terrifying about it is that the woman that they've gone and spoken to, who, if they've chosen her, is very attractive to them, therefore men when they see a woman that they perceive to be very, very attractive, their perception is that she is somehow perfect. Because we place so much value on physical beauty as men and also the society that 
we live in also places a lot of value on young, beautiful women. They have a, a higher value in, in terms of people's perception. We perceive that if a woman like that rejects us because she's seen who we are, that we are not worthy human beings. And that essentially is the biggest issue that I am dealing with as a coach. It's not the technicalities of seduction, right? So most guys that come to me with practice can learn the nuts and bolts of seduction. They can learn how to say the things, how to use conversation frameworks. They can learn how to touch. They can learn how to use logistics and how to create good dates. All that stuff is their skills and they can be picked up sooner or later depending on how hard you work or what your natural aptitude is. But underneath that, the thing that makes the difference between guys who make very vast acceleration in their progress and the guys who stall and take a long, long time or never get it is a sense of worthiness and entitlement, is feeling like you are enough. And that is the primary existential anxiety of men, is that you are not X enough to get that type of woman. And the X represents many things that we are told that we need to have in order to be worthwhile human beings. There's a lot of pressure on men to be grand achievers and that your value as a human being is based, as a man, is based around how much you have succeeded in terms of the consensus reality. So that translates into how rich you are, how successful you are in your career, how cool you are, what you look like, what your social status is, how many men respect you, how many women desire you, how many Instagram followers you have, you know, how many yachts you are on and how many Rolexes you have and all of that external uh, representations of value of a man in the modern world based on the kind of GQ ideal. And we're sold that message from various sources, from advertising. A lot of people want to sell us things from the general structures of society that want us to be good consumers and good workers. They want us to study hard, work hard, support a family, pay taxes and die of expensive, whilst paying for expensive cancer medication. There's a lot of structures in place that want you to believe, and it's, I don't think of it as like some kind of global conspiracy that there's some elite at the top doing this, but there's a whole lot of different factors that are going into telling men that unless you are XYZ, you are not worthwhile. And most men internalize this to believe that if they do not have certain arbitrary achievements or factors, or they don't feel like they have them, that women won't want them. So the anxiety around approaching really is about if I go up to a woman and I go, hi, I'm here because I find you attractive and I want to meet you, she's going to look at me, question me, and, and sooner or later, probably sooner, figure out, huh, on the scale of perfect men out there, this man doesn't rank or he doesn't rank highly enough and therefore I, I have the right and the ability to judge him, to assess him, to place him in a hierarchy and go, he is a loser. That's the thing that you guys are afraid of, really, is that the woman has the authority and the ability to decide whether or not you are a good, sexy human being or whether you're a loser, whether you're out of the race and whether you have, you're not worthwhile. And that's a terrifying prospect. And so rather than have to face that, right, rather than have to face a woman looking in the, in the eyes, scanning you, using her kind of, you know, Terminator abilities to just check in and go, all right, tick, 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 he's a loser, most men don't engage with it, right? Which is why most men almost never approach a girl outside of their social groups, outside of their university, outside of their workplace. Meaning that, although right now I'm in a city of over a million people, 
and I have literally have access to meet anyone here. I can say hello, hello, hello <laughs> to anyone walking by. I could potentially go and meet any person in the city. Most men view it like they're living in a tiny little village where they know 10 to 100 people and those are the only people that they ever interact with. And if they ever meet anyone else, it's because their social circle or their workplace or whatever drew in some new limited amount of people and then possibly they get an introduction to meet somebody through that. So most men, no matter how big the city that they live in, essentially live in a tiny little village in terms of the prospective choices they have with women. And that's awful. That's a, and that's a complete waste of being alive in this time and place because you do not live in a tiny village where you don't get to choose, where your parents force you to marry someone because that's the way things are done. If you are, have the ability to get through this initial hurdle, this internal hurdle, because it's much more an internal thing than it is any kind of external technical aspect, then you have access to almost every woman on the planet. If you can walk up to her and say hello, you can start something. The biggest problem with this is that, and the biggest mistake that men are making, when a man goes up to a woman and approaches her and then is overcome by this anxiety and fear, what he's done is he's given her the authority to judge him. Literally, he has given her the agency and the authority to make that decision about who he is, not just about how he approached her, but him as a complete human being. And he is investing all of this expectation and fear into what it is that she thinks of him. If she gives him a really good reaction, then he feels like he is a little bit more worthy and possibly he's okay with himself. If she gives him any kind of negative reaction or neutral reaction, then he perceives that, okay, he was correct in that old and uh, essentially ignorant assumption that he's not good enough because of he doesn't have all these things that society says that he must have. Keep this in mind, gentlemen, that when you go and talk to a woman, she cannot judge you as a human being because she has no fucking idea who you are. Most of the, the interactions that don't go very well, because I watch thousands of them, last for somewhere between two and 30 seconds, right? So within two or 30 seconds, the woman has either politely or more, less politely rejected the approach and ended the interaction and moved on. And when I start working with guys initially in, in their workshops, they'll come away from that kind of thing often feeling awful about themselves. Right, feeling very shaken. And the reason that is because they perceive that that woman judged them correctly, like that she somehow is able to go, yes, I've assessed this human being based on his psychology, his emotions, his character, um, you know, his soul, his heart, his uh, hopes, his dreams. She's been able to check all that and go, yeah, not good enough for me. Right? That is actually absurd because how can she make uh, such an amazing judgment, such a perfect judgment of you in this tiny amount of time? Someone who's known you for years still can't really necessarily understand the depth of you and who you really are, but certainly not somebody who's known you for 30 seconds. So first thing to do is stop giving other people the right to make extreme judgments about you in very short amounts of time. The reality is what she has judged is what is in front of her. All she knows is the 10 seconds that she spent with you. All right, so that's all she has to work with. So, that's, so the things that she'll be making her assessment on of whether she wants to continue this or not, are based around your timing, your posture, your eye contact, the way you're dressed, of course, the way you look. Some girls will look at you and go, I'm not into that kind of guy, or that guy to me seems too old, or too young, or too whatever. Yes, girls and everybody make snap assessments about what they're interested in, and you're just gonna have to accept that 
I had to accept that a long time ago. I would not have gotten this far in my life if I had a problem with knowing that many women are just not into my, me. They're just not into the types of guy that I am. Or, you know, they've made arbitrary decisions about what kind of person they want to talk to. And they've decided to screen me out before I had a chance to let them know that I'm a unique and amazing individual. So you're just going to have to accept that. And again, that comes down to a girl, even if she rejects you on face value just because of your shoes, because of the shape of your face, because of the color of your skin, which can happen, that's not a rejection of you as a human being. That's just her having a particular prejudice or judgment that she's acting on. And that's her right, like all of us do. When you guys walk into a club, actually what you do is you reject 90% of the women in there before you go anywhere close to talking to them. Because you look around and go, too fat, too, too something, big nose, ugly, don't like her, whatever it is. You make snap assessments and it doesn't matter what an awesome human being she is or how she might be the best fuck in the world or whatever, you've already rejected her. So accept that that is part of what human beings do. It can be brutal, but it is just a fact of life. But essentially, she, all she can do in those interactions is just reject the experience that she's had with you. She doesn't know what you really like. All she knows is, in this moment, I don't want to continue this. And that, that is uh, often an indicator of things that you can improve. Of course, if you get the, consistently get the response where the girl freaks out every time you talk to her, that's something to do with the way you're approaching her. That's because you're coming in too fast. That's because your timing's off. That's because you're boxing her in or some kind of technical aspect or timing aspect with the actual approach. That's the kind of stuff we work with all the time on workshops. In one day, I can fix all of that. Right? If a guy comes to me and, I, and he's getting miscalibration, he's miscalibrating and getting all sorts of bad responses from a girl, I can fix that in a day because it's very clear to me why that is. Right? So that kind of thing, yes, you need to take that as feedback. I'm not saying be delusional and go, anytime anything doesn't go my way, it's just her, her issue and I'm the most awesome man in the world and I don't need to change. Of course, we need to be able to change our behavior. But if what's happening is you're working on your skills, you're working on the technicalities of approaching and then you get a large spread of reactions, this comes down to her making snap judgments based on the small amount of information she has, not on your worth as a human being. One interesting thing about this approach anxiety is that before you had the concept that it was even remotely possible that a normal, average-looking, average-income man could run up to this a woman on the streets and talk to her and maybe get a number, before you thought that was even conceptually a possibility, you didn't experience approach anxiety, right? So think about it. If, if you can think back to a time before you'd heard about the seduction community, before you'd heard about cold approaching, day game, night game, whatever, and you're walking down the street and you see a beautiful woman, you didn't suddenly feel anxiety. You may feel some other things like sadness or melancholy desire or regret you know just thinking oh well there's a gorgeous woman there and I guess I'm never going to meet her because how can you meet her you couldn't just reach out and say hello to somebody could you no of course you couldn't do that and therefore the only possible way that you might meet a woman like that is if she comes into your social circle if by some serendipitous fate you somehow bump into each other and that's what most men before they've heard of seduction at all are banking on right and they know that probably amazing women are not going to come into their lives just by chance and so therefore they accept that it's not possible. However, now if you're watching this video it means that you've probably watched some other videos and you're at least aware of the fact that some guys are going out there and doing this. Some guys are going out there and talking to girls 
and maybe there's a part of you that wants to believe it's fake, which is where we see haters who are like, you're in fields of fake. Hi there. How you going? As if I'm faking, you know, I put those women there and she, she looks nice. As if I paid her to sit there and smile at me. You know, some guys say this kind of stuff on the comments. I think they do that because it's, it's a way for them to protect their own ego and identity. If they can think, oh, that's not actually possible, that, no, it's, that, that couldn't possibly happen, then they don't have to face it. But for most of the guys who are watching this, they at least accept that, yeah, someone's doing that. And so as you start to build this idea that, okay, I want to do this. I want to, I want to meet women that don't just come into my social circle. I want to have uh, options. That's when you start walking down the street, you see the girl, and then you're like, holy shit, I've got that approach anxiety, which is kind of the second stage defense. The first stage defense is denial. Not possible, can't be done. The second stage is, okay, I accept that it, maybe it's possible for some guys, but I'm blocked because I have approach anxiety, therefore it can't be done. So we've talked now about this as a concept. Firstly, looking at it as, you know, possibly its origins of biological or sociological or whatever we perceive it to be, how, how it started. And my answer to that, my solution to that is doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter why you have these feelings because we can try and chart them, we can try and research them, but it doesn't really affect us either way. Then we can start to look at what is it, what is it that you're actually afraid of? You're not afraid of being rejected by a tribe and, not, and having your genes deleted. What you're actually afraid of is having a woman see you, look at you, assess you, judge you, and decide that you're not good enough. And that's based on, mainly on in inexperience, because when you go and do this enough, you see that women don't really judge you. They, they make judgments about the, the initial interaction. They make a judgment about this moment in time. She doesn't know you before this moment in time. She doesn't know your life's history. She doesn't know you, what kind of man you are overall. She just knows that for whatever reason, right now, she doesn't want to continue this. Very often, that's her stuff. She's busy. She's got a boyfriend. She's scared of strangers. That's the main one. Women are scared of strangers. That's the main reason they reject men at all, for whatever reason. Or it's a combination of her reasons and something that you were doing. You were miscalibrated. Your approach wasn't great. Or it's a, a combination of those two plus that she doesn't like the look of you, which you're just going to have to accept. Too bad. Some girls just don't like the look of you. They just, they're, they're just not interested. So we have these different elements that are, that are coming into play. And we look at, okay, what I'm really concerned about is being revealed. But then how does this manifest, right? Because the answer to how to solve your approach anxiety is how to deal with it when it arises. If you want to make deep personal change to yourself, the most powerful time to make it is not when you're meditating by yourself. It's not when you're doing your journaling and your NLP and your personal development by yourself outside of the social situations. If we're looking at this particular thing of social anxiety, approach anxiety, the time to solve it is not in preparation. And there are so many products out there where the entire premise is that we're gonna teach you how to get over this without you actually having to face rejection, without you needing to step out into the fear. And that's why those products are, are um, attractive to people because they perceive that if I, if I can get this thing sorted, if I can practice this and somehow crack this internal code, then I can go out fearlessly to approach women without any feeling of nervousness or trepidation or uncertainty. And I can tell you as someone who's been doing this now for 10 years and teaching thousands of guys, that there is never a point where you don't feel anything. Right now, my response, my fear response or my, my, the activation of my, of my body is far lower than it used to be. And it's far lower than most of my students. 
that's because I'm desensitized. That's because I've seen what's possibly going to happen. I've seen everything that's going to happen. It's, I, I haven't been surprised by what happens when I approach a girl in years. Every time I approach a girl, I know that one of five things are going to happen and they're just going to be based upon statistics and my skill level and my state. And then also just the, co- the coincidences of how many girls I bump into that are in a good mood, single, looking uh, open, and you know how much I'm vibing with them. Right? So I know that any, any given day, if I go out and approach 10 girls, it's likely that I'm going to get somewhere between one and five numbers right? because I'm highly skilled. And for a student, it, for the first 100 approaches he does, well, even it depends if he's got a coach with him or not, but he, he will get a much higher level where girls don't give him the number. And as his skills increase, that will increase. It's not to do with his worthiness. It's not to do with his core inherent value as a human being. It's to do with repetition and improvement of skill. Now, of course, what we're doing at the same time is improving our self-esteem and confidence. And let's have a little look at the way that we can start to use this anxiety as not something that cripples us, but something that actually empowers us. The first thing that you can do is stop labeling this experience as fear or anxiety. By calling it approach anxiety in the first place, we're essentially turning it into a disease, into a pathology. For most of the guys that come and work with me, they don't have crippling social anxiety where they can't leave the house or they can't talk to somebody in a shop, they can't talk to their friends. It's very, very specific to the situation of going up and speaking to a girl that they're attracted to that they don't know and trying to pick her up. Right? So it's not that you, most of the guys I work with have severe psychological issues. They simply have a response to an unknown situation. So rather than us walking around calling it approach anxiety, so you're going out to approach girls and, you, and uh, you're there and then you see the girl and then you feel some stuff in your body and you go, oh, there's my approach anxiety. It's, uh, it's there, it's happened. And the moment that it's happened, now it's taken control of me. Now I don't have any recourse and now what I'm going to have to do to deal with it is either somehow force myself to go through and approach the girl even though I am experiencing this disease or what do most people do in that situation? They just back off and leave because they go, all right, I got approach anxiety. My, it's like it's flared up, like it's cold sores or something and there it is. So that's stopped me. So therefore that's me done for the day. I can't approach any girls. This is self-sabotage and it's highly ineffective. So instead, don't call it approach anxiety. If you you must call it anything, call it approach energy, because that's what it is. It is your body starting to activate in ways that are slightly unusual due to the fact that you're doing something that's slightly unusual. For most people, when they walk down a normal street on a normal day, they're not feeling anxious. Their body is in a homeostatic position. It's just more or less even. And what happens when you go out and you see the girl, previously, as we discussed, before you thought that that was even possible, you didn't feel anxiety, you just felt sad, you just felt horny, you just felt like you wished that a girl like that would come into your life knowing that she wouldn't. But now you have the beautiful, amazing possibility in your mind that you could go up there and talk to her. So in order for us to be able to get through this approach energy or this response, what we need to start to do is have a look at what's the process that your body and mind goes through in order to get to the point where you're locked down. So what happens is this. Firstly, your senses perceive a stimulus, which in this case is my eyes seeing the girl. I see the pretty girl, and immediately I have a, I have a thought about that, which is, she's fucking hot, I w- I'd love to have a girl like that in my life. And then the next thought is, well, maybe I should go and approach her. And then what happens is, 
my body activates. It starts to do stuff that it doesn't always do, right? It's having an unusual response because now it's potentially going to step into an unknown or unfamiliar territory. And as a result, I start to feel a bunch of stuff, which you guys could easily list for me right now in terms of what it is for you. The typical ones that most people feel are dryness in their mouth, uh, butterflies in their stomach, tightness in their chest or in their neck, trembling, sweating, heart rate increase, and variety of other physical manifestations. And that's the thing that most guys then go, oh, there's my anxiety, right? They go, oh, there's butterflies in my stomach, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm a, I'm, this will never work. That's, there it is. That's the anxiety. It's, it, the infection has inflamed, and now I'm fucked for the day. The mistake there is to place a label on the sensations, right? Because think of it, there are many other situations where you might feel butterflies in your stomach, where you might feel tightness in your chest, you might feel trembling, and you might perceive that as a really positive thing. What is that? That's excitement. Okay, so if I'm excited about something, it's Christmas morning, I'm a six-year-old kid, and uh, I'm waiting for Santa to arrive and give me my toys, I'm feeling all of those feelings. I'm feeling the uh, bubbling in my stomach, I'm feeling bouncy, I'm feeling energetic, and I love it, because that means that soon I get to open a package and look at what's inside. I'm excited. What is the difference between this anxiety and this fear? On a physical level, often there's very little, if nothing, different about it. Someone who's about to jump out of a plane because they decided they wanted to do that with a parachute is feeling a whole range of stuff which is on the border of fear and excitement, right? But they've chosen to and, it's, and then they jump and they, of course, I don't know what it's like, I haven't done it yet, but there must be an amazing rush of sensations that you wouldn't usually feel, but it's pleasant, you know, going into bed with a girl for the first time, going to uh, receive an award, meeting a long lost friend, like, oh, there's so many different things where your body activates with the same kinds of sensations, but you perceive it to be a positive thing, not as anxiety, but as excitement. And what I want to teach you guys to do, or what my mission in life really is to help guys to move from creating abject terror over situations that could actually be perceived in a totally positive way. Now, the jump from I'm terrified to I'm excited, psychologically is often too big a jump to do in one go. And I'm not suggesting that you go, that every time you see the girl and you feel the stuff, you go, that's excitement, I feel awesome, girls love me, that's, that's, my, that's my body telling me it's time to go, which is more or less what I feel, right? So like, if I feel all those sensations, yeah, those thoughts of doubt and, and uh, self-worth may pop up, but very quickly I can catch hold of those and move into, okay, what that really means is I'm excited because I'm about to meet a beautiful woman. That's awesome. I get to have that experience of being alive, being young, being healthy, walking up to a gorgeous woman and trying to start something with her. That's an amazing potential and experience that I can have. But in order to get to that point, what I want to shift from is negative association to these sensations to neutral, right? So I teach this in all of my workshops. The first thing I teach is awareness, and then I teach a, a range of meditations techniques around this that allow a guy to perceive the sensations in his body and to disassociate from these judgments, these meanings that, you, that most guys place on it, which is that it's fear, that it's I'm a loser, that it's embarrassment, that there is potential harm coming. So the thing you need to do is start to catch yourself and instead of getting lost in the story, the negative movie you're running in your mind, bring yourself back to just observing what is going on in your body. Now, to do this most effectively, you need to learn meditation systems, which I'll talk about at the end, 
And there are many ways, many types of schools of meditation you can learn. But the one that I most recommend is using insight or vipassana or awareness meditation, mindfulness meditation. This is a style of meditation that allows you to move your awareness throughout your body and observe what is happening as it is. Not to try and control it, not to try and force it to be something else, and not to think about it and make ornate stories about it. Just to observe, okay, right now, in my belly, I feel something. And so what I do with a student, let's say we're out in field, and I say, okay, there's a cute girl, go and talk to her, and he's like, oh, anxiety. So what I say is, where do you feel that sensation? And he'll be like, I don't know, I feel anxiety. I say, okay, close your eyes, place your hand where you feel the most intense sensation. That's the first thing to do. Okay, so he thinks about it for a while, and then he drops into it, and he goes, okay, here or here. All right, now describe it for me in neutral adjectives. And he says, fear, anxiety, embarrassment. No, those are assessments. Those are judgments. Describe the actual physical sensation. Imagine I was an alien coming down and I was asking you, what are you feeling? I don't understand judgments. I only understand descriptions of uh, objective sensations. And so he feels it for a while and he says, okay, it's a pressure. All right, there's a pressure. Is there anything else? Yeah, there's kind of like a like a uh, electricity feeling kind of radiating out. All right, cool. Anywhere else in your body? Yeah, my knees are, knees are kind of vibrating. I feel a bit j- like jelly in my legs. Okay, cool. And, and so on and so on. Maybe you feel tingling in your fingertips. Maybe you feel your heart rate increasing. Maybe you feel that your mouth is drying up. Okay, these are all physical things that are objectively happening. Cool, that's the reality right now. We're not trying to force it to be something it's not. We're not trying to get rid of it. We're not trying to rationalize it or, or think about it or discuss it. We're just using our mind as if we're a scientist, dispassionately, without any emotion, observing and just going, yep, there's some feelings there, and there's some feelings there, and there's some feelings there. Okay, and be with it. What is the nature of all things in the universe? That they are not permanent. They arise, they change, and they move into something else. Because you're feeling a feeling right now doesn't mean you'll feel it forever. In fact, you know logically that very soon you won't feel that. Something else, you'll feel something else. And the mistake most men go have with this is that they go, all right, there's the girl. Oh, no, it's approaching anxiety. I feel the sensations. Maybe I go up and talk to her. Or maybe I sort of start to, and I, and I come close to this, uh, to this unpleasant feeling, and I put a lot of unpleasant meanings on it. And then I go, oh, that's too much, and I back away from it. And then as I move away, gradually the feeling subsides. All I've done there is I've trained myself that attempting to or yeah, attempting to approach a girl is pain, is fear. Right, so that every time I even think of it now, I go, okay, approaching girls, no, oh, that's just moving towards pain. And so, and if I move away from it, then the pain goes away. That's a really unfortunate way to wire your brain, right? Because you're wiring yourself to training yourself that you should not do this, that you should play safe, you should stay inside your comfort zone. And we know the reality of the comfort zone is a sexless, lonely, boring life. It's not safe at all. It's the most dangerous thing you can choose. Right? I, I read a definition today, I was just sort of researching anxiety. Uh, social anxiety disorder is sometimes described as the disease of missed opportunities. And I just read that and it just it made me want to cry when I think about the n- number of men out there who are letting this, essentially what is just a bunch of feelings in their body, box them into a corner where they don't get to meet the people they want to meet, where they don't get to have connections, love, relationships, sex, fun, laughter, they miss all of that stuff because they don't want to, they're not able to or they don't know how to move through what is actually a very, very thin and permeable barrier. It's tragic. 
And, you know, a big part of my mission is to show men that once you step through that barrier, you realize that it's not an iron wall, it's mostly an illusion. So the point here is, how do I deal with this? This is the, you know, the most functional thing I can give you guys right now is I observe the sensations. I feel it. As I notice my mind wanting to go off into placing labels on it, I keep bringing it back to the feeling and I just observe. I just observe because the nature of it is that it will reach some peak. The feeling in your stomach will start to bubble and reach a peak. And then if I don't feed it with ideas and with reactions, it will start to subside. It will change into something else. And even if it appears to stay there for quite a long time, I can still operate from that position. Can I go and speak to a girl and let her know that she's attractive if I have a bubbling feeling in my stomach? Hell yes. Can I do it if I decide that that feeling means that I have crippling social anxiety, that I have some kind of mental disease? Probably not, right? So I can go and speak to somebody even though my knees are wiggling a bit or even though my breath's getting shorter. That's okay. I can still operate from that position. It just means that my body's out of homeostasis. It's just my body telling me, you're doing something that's not usual for you. And you're like, yeah, I am. I'm doing something that's not usual for me, that I want to make usual for me, that is a really important and really powerful and really positive thing in my life. So am I going to do it anyway? Yeah, of course. It's not that I'm trying to smash through and go, feel the fear and be the fear, you know, fight the fear and do it anyway in some kind of jock, like punish yourself way. That kind of thing doesn't really motivate people long-term, most people. Some people respond well to that. Most people don't. I don't. I respond to being able to shift my mind shift my assessment, my, my frames, my beliefs, and to know that when I'm activated, now for, now for me now that means I'm excited. That means, oh yeah, I'm alive. Oh yeah, I get to do something. I get to make a choice. I get to have free will. I get to go and start conversation with that girl? Fuck yeah. And am I scared? Like, is there fear? Is there, are those things? Yeah, those things are present. They, they come in and out. But I've trained myself over time to move from the negative association to the neutral association and then to the positive association. So for the most part, when I see the girl and things activate, I feel good, right? So that's the most important piece that I want you guys to take away today. Stop calling it approach anxiety. Stop thinking that you have some disease. Very unlikely that you have any kind of severe psychological disorder. And if you do, even if you do, even if you clinically have been told you have SAD or you have some extreme anxiety disorder, this will help you vastly. I've worked with many guys who, who at some point in their life couldn't leave the house, couldn't even speak to someone in a shop. And gradually over time, they've learned through my techniques and other techniques how to move back into their own power, how to step out of that self-created prison and recognize that the distance between you and another person is very, very small if you're allowed to be so. Often it feels like we're isolated units in amongst this sea of other isolated units. The lack of connection, the lack of interface is what makes so many people feel so alone. But when you come back to the present moment, get out of these shitty stories and movies you're running in your mind, the distance is just high. It's so close. And you start to see very soon that women don't want Superman. They don't want a GQ model. They don't necessarily want a guy who's got a seven-figure income and a fucking Rolex. Most women don't give a shit about that. Maybe they'll take that if there's nothing else around. What they really want is to not feel alone themselves. They don't want to feel like they're living in their own anxious bubbles. You don't think women have anxieties? They have huge amounts of social anxiety, huge amounts of self-esteem anxiety about are they pretty enough? Are they worthwhile enough? Do people like them? Are they good? All of this stuff. Women are a bundle of anxieties as well. The seductive man is the man who is not supremely confident at all times, but the man who is able to be fallible, be flawed, 
and at the same time still go and make a connection. To be able to feel all of that stuff and go, yeah, okay, I'm feeling it all. I'm not 100% in control of it, everything in my life. Control is actually an illusion. We have almost no control over anything. There's, everything is happening around us, but we have the ability to make decisions to step into different types of chaos and stepping into the type of chaos, the type of uncertainty where now I'm in front of a beautiful woman and I'm trying to uh, see if she wants to connect with me. That's a much better chaos to live in than the one where I'm living inside my own shitty, small-minded reality, waiting for fate, hoping that somehow the world, the universe is going to deliver me to my doorstep what I want. It's very, very unlikely it's going to do that. I see the results, guys. I'm on the front lines of this. I see guys in their third, late 30s and 40s coming to me in workshops, and these are the lucky guys because these are the ones that actually came and sought help. But these guys are talking about spending that they essentially wasted decades of their life in fear, fear of something that wasn't even real. It's not dangerous. You can't get killed by talking to a woman. It's very unlikely you're going to have, you can't get some deep psychological trauma over, over doing that unless you decide that it is traumatic. You go and approach a hundred women well, you'll start to see, okay, yeah, this is the reality of it. A couple of nasty, a few of them love you straight away and the rest are just as scared, just as uncertain as you are and they're also looking, hoping for their other half. They're looking for connection. They're looking for love and sex and romance and intimacy. And many of them spend months, if not years alone, even if they are supremely gorgeous, they may get a lot of men leering at them and coming up to them in bars and going, hey, hey, young. But how often does a woman get to have a man who has got, who has put his balls on the line, who is confident enough to go up and say what he wants, but at the same time, humble enough and real enough to show that he's not perfect, she may never meet a guy like that. She may meet a guy like that several times in her life. You can be that man. You can be that man today. Yeah, of course, your self-worth will fluctuate. Your confidence fluctuates as you improve yourself, as you achieve more in life, as you figure more out about yourself. Your, your base level of general confidence will raise. But confidence is not a static state. It's not state. It's not something you get one day and then you have it. Overall, I'm pretty confident, but I have moments of doubt all the time. I've had periods of severe depression, even in the last few, four or five years. Right now, I'm on the top of the world. I'm at the top of my game. I'm making money. I've got a bisexual girlfriend. I'm traveling the world. I'm living the dream. And that could change tomorrow. I could have it all taken away from me as I have several times in my life before. And I may have to start from scratch again. And I know I'll be okay because I can go through this process again of recollecting myself and reaching out, even if I don't feel like my 100% best self, knowing that people are not, girls are not looking for my 100% perfect hero self. They're looking for me to be real and connect with them. So please, gentlemen, take this away. Don't let this shitty little fear control your life. Don't let yourself have the disease of lost opportunities because you don't get rewarded for that. And you will look back in your later life with deep, deep regret if you do not sort this out. Since I was 18 years old, meditation has been a major part of my life. Since I did my first 10-day silent meditation retreat back in India when I was 18, I have since gone to many different schools and teachers to advance this study. And it is the one area that I attribute the vast majority of my success in life to. And that's not uh, an overstatement. Because before learning meditation skills, I was an angry, cynical young man who felt like the world was to blame for my problems. 
when I got deeper into meditation study, I found that I now had tools that meant that I could actually shift my destiny, that I was not a slave to personality quirks or traits that I didn't like, that I didn't have to be angry and reactive, that I didn't have to be someone who was prone to large bouts of depression. Because by learning meditation techniques, I came to dig deep into my psyche, my emotional responses, the way that my mind worked, and started to understand these things at a deeper, not just conceptual level, but at a deep experiential level, the level where you can actually shift and change. If you have areas of your psychology, your habit patterns, your emotional responses that you're unhappy with, things that are holding you back, things such as this crippling approach anxiety, which we now call approach energy, or things such as negativity, cynicism, sarcasm, all of these kinds of aspects of personalities which don't actually assist you, which mean that you're less connected to people, that you're less capable, and you want to change them, you can. And it is my opinion that lying on a psychologist's couch and talking about your problems, mapping out how it was that your mother's treatment of you when you were a child led to you being this way, is not necessarily the most functional way to shift yourself. It can be good to talk things out and figure out how it is that you got to where you are, but at the end of the day, we don't want to be defined by our history, and we don't want to be defined by history which puts us as a victim. The action of meditation allows you to take personal agency, personal responsibility for the way you are and to shift it deeply at a core level. I make sure that in all of my live courses or my live trainings that meditation is a major part. We spend one or two hours every single day on my workshops working through awareness and insight meditation, breath awareness, stretching, qigong and various other types of meditation systems that I've learned from India to China to various teachers around the world because I know that that is the base of what's gonna allow a guy to become good with women. That's why in my five principles, awareness is number one. Developing your awareness means that from that position of introspection, openness and growth, then you can plug in all of the actions of seduction. You can learn all the nuts and bolts and the how-to. If you've got a shaky foundation, then you're just piling shit on top of a um, badly built foundation. This is James Marshall signing off. Please take note of this speech. I feel like this is a really, really important, if not one of the, the most important things that you can ever start to investigate. If you want to become a person that is capable socially, then you have to look at this. You have to look at being able to reframe and move through what you perceive to be anxiety, shift it from that negative position to a neutral and eventually to a positive one so that when you feel that stuff activate inside your body, you know that it's excitement, you know that it's go time, you know that this indicates that you're about to take your destiny into your own hands. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.